Welcome to Competency Number Five, a bi-weekly podcast on maintaining calm and presence when coaching, leading, and living our lives. I'm your host, DG McCullough. In each episode, we interview those finding joy and clarity through being present. We also document my attempts as a communications coach to certify with the International Coaching Federation as a Master Certified Coach, an excellent and very strict training for maintaining presence. So step away from your work and join us for a bit on competency number five. Well, I used to be in a marching band, out of school, I made a new plan. Season two, episode three. My musings today are on losing things and how loss of something we love can induce bursts of anxiety, frustration, and quite the opposite of competency number five, maintaining presence. Reading from the medium. The Lost Sunglasses I lost my Tom Ford Whitney sunglasses at Ohopi Beach yesterday. I knew going into the waves, the folly of the stupid move. Six to eight foot waves crashed everywhere. The roar of the surf enormous. But I wanted to protect my face and eyes from New Zealand's intense sun and just loved to wear them. What a silly goose. The frame stayed on just fine at the beginning of this lark as I leapt and bounced around with my New Zealand family I was visiting and with my American sons. But as the waves thickened and my timing and interpretation of the waves waned, I crashed and burned and felt the beautiful specks release from behind my ears. Their lovely arms curved beautifully behind your ears in ways that only the Italians can design. My Tom Fords floated up, off my face, and out to sea. I felt the ocean surge remove this precious item immediately. Panicked, I felt around and looked around, knowing the waves would return before I knew it, and perhaps again I could see but to no avail. After looking with my niece and her husband, the truth loomed. My Tom Ford Whitney sunglasses, my first Tom Ford sunglasses ever, were probably gone. I continued looking for a good 30 minutes after. At one point, my nephew felt them and then lost them once more. After waiting for the final five minutes, a pinch from a crab to my toe and the thunder and lightning overhead with rain signaled it was time to give up. The gorgeous Tom Ford sunglasses truly were gone. That night, struck with my normal insomnia before our trip back up north and then on to the U.S., I wasted a good hour looking on Amazon for replacements. I'd found these stunning Italian frames, blue and a butterfly shape, for a reasonable price of 120 US dollars versus a typical and exorbitant 455 US dollar asking price. 
On first search, nothing compared. I found similar ones to the ones I just lost, but the price point spiked to 350 US, which felt too silly and too brutal to bear. Other big brands enticed in fleeting ways. A grey, glittery Dolce Gabbana pair made it briefly to the shopping bag before I rejected it. Too sad, a grey compared to the smoky blue of the R.I.P. Tom Fords. A Gucci pair with Havana tortoiseshell frame became a short contender before me deleting those specs as well. Too round, too Elton John, too busy with flecks of brown. I almost committed to a Baguetta Vendetta frame in pink before deciding they were too young and too blingish. Those remain in my wish list for now. None of these contenders made the final cut. I felt I'd lost the perfect pair. Wondering if I even really needed a replacement, I reflected on the glasses I've owned and lost and the ones I still possess back home. I have the brown Salvatore Ferragamos I'd snagged for 65 US dollars on Amazon on a freezing winter night. Sunglasses always go down in price in the cooler months once you get out of January cruise season. I remembered the Gucci pair I bought at the outlet store for 50 US dollars. A bit goofy, but bold and lovely. I have not worn them yet. And I recalled the two older, well-used pair I have lost and have not yet surfaced a tortoiseshell Chloe pair, and a blue Salvatore Ferragamo. That's a lot of sunglasses, I determined. With all of this, I've realised how much time I waste and anxiety I can create through loving and collecting beautiful things. Experts have tracked that throughout our lives, many of us can waste up to six months of our life looking for items we've lost. That I do erode calm, peace and happiness by misplacing or losing things I love feels hard to admit because fashion and beautiful things bring me joy, pride, even confidence. I grew up loving fashion. My mother and grandmothers taught me to love and collect beautiful things. Because we had good times and bad, I've learned to stockpile stunning things when I'm flush and hold back when I'm not. While I overshop sometimes, overall, I have things in check. I'm generous with many people I love, and I save a lot of my earnings by not spending on other things, like lavish meals out or expensive salon visits. I also donate a lot to Goodwill. When generous with myself, I strive to use everything I own and only purchase something that I can use for multiple purposes. A Maximara dress, for instance, becomes one I can wear to a wedding, as a presenter, or for my photo shoots and promo videos, and as I coach. Nice fashion and premium items also help me feel more confident, especially when on camera. I enjoy my ritual of collating my work outfit the night before, picking a colour palette, 
and piecing things together to tell a story, even match the wallpaper in my study. My clients always notice and comment not only on the wallpaper, but that my clothes match. Many feel inspired to do the same, coordinate their outfit and create a pretty background for their video calls. So I've created a bit of a movement here. Feeling good and what we wear and how we show up builds connections, i found. My women clients, and sometimes the men, ask after the origins of the things I wear, and I do the same with them. Researchers have also found that many of us correlate a pulled-together look, someone who's quacked and nicely dressed, as having leadership presence. So I don't feel too guilty enjoying good reactions, and I do delight in learning from others on theirs. As my business has grown, so has my love for premium fashion, when I've really needed no extra encouragement. Before, I couldn't justify buying too much or anything too high-end because I never hosted more than five or six classes or workshops a week. Now, I can coach up to 50 sessions a week with many repeat customers. I feel most confident and present when rotating my closet and looks. The anxiety, when and if it surfaces, comes with securing and retaining what I've already collected and now own. And the nicer the item, the deeper the concern it will go, either through misplacing, dropping, or staining, tearing, or breaking. Losing a $20 pair of gas station-y kind of glasses feels quite different to a made-in-Italy well-designed pair, like the lovely lost Tom Fords. I can't bear to waste money nor time, and when an item I own expires or vanishes, I've lost both. I think, too, the more that I muse, that the loss or destruction of the item can signal to my hyper-vigilant saboteur, the one with the heightened focus on all of the dangers in life, that the end to any prosperity I've gathered is near. If so, that makes total sense. The loss or destruction of something beautiful I've carefully researched and then purchased stimulates an ever-present but very well-managed fear of falling back. If so, this indeed helps explain the anxiety and worry that comes up when we lose things, at least for me, and at least now in this life stage of growth on all levels, my business, my family, my happiness, and my confidence. Rich Habits author Tom Corley offers us some wisdom here. From interviewing and studying the patterns and the mindsets of wealthy and not as wealthy individuals, he found that most self-made millionaires came from poverty, around 44% of those he interviewed. Many of these self-made millionaires contend that growing up poor made them bold at taking risks to lift themselves out of poverty. Also, interestingly, Corley found that once these millionaires became rich, they became less comfortable with risk-taking, something they were once expert at, out of fear of failing and falling back into the poverty they left. I suspect a similar phenomena may occur 
with our relationship with possessions as we rise and succeed in life. If you've not fallen back financially nor experienced financial hardship, you may not relate to this feeling at all. If you have, perhaps you'll agree that we can never truly recover from the trauma. Poverty I've experienced as an adult has come with food insecurity, loss of shelter, danger, embarrassment, and shame. I've sometimes made poor decisions because without wealth, my options became limited. For part of my 20s living in Tokyo, the world's largest and most expensive city, or at least one of them, I only just made rent in the Gaijin house where I lived with other foreigners and budgeted carefully for groceries and other expenses, which could not include niceties. Anything nice I owned, friends donated to me. Even when moving to San Francisco years later, I often missed weddings or reunions because I couldn't afford the fare nor a nice outfit. While the absence of these experiences tears my heart, I would not feel proud returning poor. Remaining absent felt better and reduced any worry from others for my status. Nor did I want anyone to think my decision to leave New Zealand and make something of myself was a failure. I'm outside of this zone now, and while not super wealthy, I'm comfortable with savings, a family and home I love, and steady, strong earnings doing something I absolutely love. I'm also functioning for the first time in my working career in an industry of abundance versus scarcity. As a coach, possibilities for me feel endless. While everything feels stable, finally, my overthinking over lost items and losing items becomes perhaps the one residual place where I seek more presence and more work to separate past from the present and to be in the now. Back to the lost luxury sunglasses which started these musings on wealth, poverty and possessions and how our attachment to possessions can get in our way of presence. Ultimately, I did replace the Tom Fords for a great price, although not the same lovely colour of the first. How could I resist? I came to a quick place of calm hours after the loss of the first pair in New Zealand's ocean that day, knowing that it was New Year's Eve and that the next day a delightful New Zealander, or a tourist perhaps visiting New Zealand, might find the pair I lost and see it as a positive omen of great things to come. And here's what this new loss of an item I adored has reminded me, and an intention I want to weave into 2024. Cherish what I own and take better care. Continue to give away what I no longer use, and to a woman's shelter, even volunteer and coach at that same shelter. I might find one in Milwaukee or even Chicago. Build accountability with others. My sons now pledge to remind me not to take sunglasses near water, or at least not without a sunglasses rope. Given this fiasco at Ohopi Beach was not the first time, I've lost another pair in Milwaukee's canal. Know that deeper feelings exist behind any anxiety or overthinking, and this is one area I can get coached on and write more on because writing 
always unlocks so much. From the U.S. state of Wisconsin, you've been listening to Competency Number Five. Want to learn more about communications and coaching? See my show notes for my LinkedIn profile, website, and my Medium channel. There you'll gain more tips and techniques on effective communications, including the coach approach to leading and communicating. Thank you to my producer, Dota Nayini, for the elegant edits that you hear in each episode. And to the indie rock band from Seattle, Wiretree, for my podcast music. You're listening to Marching Band. You can follow Competency Number 5 wherever you get your podcasts. Do forward this episode to those you care for and love. Speak with you next episode, and bye-bye for now. Oh,